Welcome to HC Medium Talk. I'm your host, Madeline Reed. <laughs> Do that again. Good. I want to use that. Yeah. So many people in my experience of Christian education have opened the door for me. I remember the first time someone my age had ever told me they were praying for me was in high school. Mm. I just think that, oh yeah, Maddie, I'll be praying for you, completely stopped me in my tracks. Hey everybody, welcome back to a special episode of HC Medium Talk. Another special episode. Another special The only special episode. (laughs) Cam Houck is not with us. He has unified basketball practice. I told him prioritize and he said, all right, we'll see you tomorrow. (laughs) That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. I respect that, Cam, if you're listening. Come to find out Cam doesn't listen to the podcast. It's because he's here. Why would he need to listen? Yeah, okay. Special co-host today, Sam James Sportel. That's actually my brother's middle name, not mine. What is your, what's your middle name? Lee. Oh, of course. Spelled. L-E-I-G-H. Yeah, spelled like that. I have the same middle name as Nikki Mustard. So, huh. yeah, we have the same middle name. And several other women around mostly, the world. Mostly women. <laughs> it's, uh, turns out it's not the male, typically, way to spell it, unless... You know, you're really old and you dated my mom in high school because that's where she got the name from. (laughs) She always knew. This is already turning into a spicy episode. (laughs) Love you, mom. Love you, mom. (laughs) Joining us in the studio, Senorita Reed. Welcome, Senorita Reed. Muchisimas gracias. Oh, wow. That was really cool. Thank you. Hey, thanks for joining us, Miss Reed. So excited to get to know you a little bit better through our conversation today. Mr. Sportel, I heard before we began, there's kind of an interesting connection, right, with Mr. Sportel, Sam Sportel, as your teacher. No? It's true. I want to know. This is my first question. Do you remember the first time you walked into science class, eighth grade, at Grand Christian Middle School? Yes, you weren't there. I was there. I started the You year. were the one? <laughs> we have controversy. <laughs> this she is has no idea. She doesn't remember. I had, I had a teacher and she, she, she was my homeroom teacher and she got double knee replacement surgery and so oh, Mr. Sportel came in as the long-term sub gotcha. and it was your first teaching experience ever. Okay right. what what year are we talking folks? 2008 or 9? It's 2008. This is the fall of 2008. I couldn't find a full-time job so I accepted a it was supposed to be like a four-month long-term sub job and uh, so I just walked in the classroom. Here's a file filled with things to oh, do. Oh, yes. I said, here you go. You're teaching weather. I said, deal. Just look outside, kids. Love to. I, End of unit one through ten. The, the unit was actually was like about eight or nine weeks. So turns out you couldn't just look outside. We did things. We did great things. We it was did. Great. Maddie, what kind of things did you do? So this is 12 years ago. Sam Sportel <laughs> was Maddie Reed's middle school, basically substitute teacher. <laughs> teacher. I saw you on the first day of PD, and I was like, I know that, that guy. Terrifying? Did you remember, like, where? Or did yes. It take you oh, I completely knew, but you okay. didn't know. No, I, I didn't. You had no clue who I was. I apologize for not recognizing you the instant you walked in. That's okay. Like, it's that piece of... Uh, that was my first class. You were my first group of kids I ever got to teach. Maddie, so here, this is, what year is this for you at HC? Two. Two? Middle of two. Maddie, when did you kind of become, in your head, a teacher? Like, was there a moment that you're like, you know what, I think this is where I'm being led to? I was a sophomore in college at the end of my sophomore year. Mm. 
Yes. So a lot of credits already taken. Um, And I studied abroad in Peru and I had a neighbor there who was in English immersion. So she was in seventh or eighth grade and she was learning English in school. And I would go over there and tutor her and talk with her sometimes. And it was really easy and seamless. And I loved doing it. Whereas I tried like speech pathology for a second and I loved everything about it except the medical. (laughs) So I'm more of a relational person. And so from there, I was like, you know what, I'll give this a try. Um, And I originally thought middle school for sure, that I wanted to be a middle school teacher. But then you had this experience with a weather teacher who came in. I did. And I was like, middle school is not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Middle middle school teachers are amazing people. They are. They are. They truly are. I do the next best thing, like freshmen. Mm -hmm. I've got freshmen. Amen to that. Speaking of being a teacher for freshmen, you mentioned beforehand, we you started drinking coffee. There's a correlation between your teaching career and your coffee <laughs> inhalation. Talk, talk to us. Spill inhalation. Spill the beans. Sorry, Genius. Um, I started drinking coffee when I was 23, 24 years old, around the time when I started teaching. I'm not a morning person, and so I began in taking a lot of coffee, good coffee, bad coffee, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. I feel like it's a mental game, though, you know? Some of it is. Some of it's just holding the cup in your hand. It is. I feel like I'm such a better teacher if I'm just holding the cup in my hand. Me too. It's like if, I, if someone asks a question and I need a second, just Wait, slowly take a, take a sip, think about it. Today I faked a cough just to buy some time. Wow. And then I hope asked a question and I was just coughing, cough, 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 and I'm just thinking the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. And I was like, oh, I need to excuse These myself. Are, you should be like do a seminar, like teaching strategies. Oh, yeah. Now, have you have you uh, been in Christian education your whole life? I know yeah. for sure in eighth grade you were at Grand Rapids Christian Middle School. but I was there. <laughs> I was there in eighth grade. I actually transferred to Grand Rapids Christian in seventh grade, which was a big deal for my family because we sold our house. We moved into an apartment. I have three brothers who are all six four. And so just living in a tiny apartment, um, we all transferred one by one to Grand Rapids Christian or a different school. My older brother went to Forest Hills. That was really big for my family because it came about in a really community-oriented way. My dad always played church softball and at Sherman Street, and so I grew up always at his games, and his teammates were teachers at Grand Rapids Christian at the high school. And they would always joke that they should, my parents should send us there. Um, and in a really terrible freak accident, one of their um, nieces died in a sports accident. Um, one of the nieces of a Of a team, yeah, okay, of a one teammate. of our like church members okay. who played sports with my dad. Um, and it was kind of this push for my parents, like this is a really important community to us. And if we want to take a leap in that direction, and we want to move, make sacrifices so that our kids can have that Christian education. Mm. Um, and so they started with me, and then we started making some changes in our family so that we all could go eventually. And so, yeah. Now, does that have to do with the move as well? The, yes. The okay. Mm-hmm. We really packed everything up and moved communities. Like my parents didn't have more than just a few friends here, so it was a pretty big sacrifice for them. Wow, that I love. It was a community that brought you into you know, Christian education to begin with. I, I, I think that so often, you know, there's so many cool qualities, you know, if you think about like a marketing department to, mm-hmm. to advertise for a, for a place. But at the end of the day, I feel like everyone 
who's part of this community or who like is a real advocate for this community, it comes down to those human relationships you have that make all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. And just take, just taking the opportunity to say something, you know, just that repetitive, like nudging if something's really on your heart. Like, I don't know how many times, whether it was a joke or more of a serious um, conversation, but after a while it really sunk in with my parents. And so, um, I don't know if I'd even be a Christian school teacher had I never, I don't know if I would have been comfortable enough to go to a Christian college or ever teach at a Christian school had I not had any sort of Christian education myself. Mm. And that's just me. But Three brothers, Maddie? Yes, I'm three. Yes, I loved life with brothers. I was a huge tomboy for a really long time, and it made for a really um, animated childhood because everyone is trying to one-up each other all the time. So... I just had a, a childhood filled with a lot of, like, boyish things, a lot of... I guess that's not boyish. Like, girls play outside all the time. But I was I was just the kid in middle school with, like, the transition glasses and, yes. like, <laughs> in, like, the snowsuit. And yes. we used to, like, run through, like, the sewer and play backyard <laughs> baseball not, and not just... like a city sewer. Just, like, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, like... Like, this, the... You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like Ninja Turtles. <laughs> no, not that I didn't like go down. What do you call them? The like the I don't know. It's like what you have the tunnel. It's like in, a, on your over your a, under your driveway. Cement. So like a culvert. Yes, a culvert. I like sewer better. That, sewer. That's fun. <laughs> yeah. sewer, sewer makes me seem way more intense. Yeah, sewer. I think of <laughs> human <laughs> waste. <laughs> you know, your mom and dad stuff. really just kind of let you go for it. They're running through <laughs> some play, human waste. Go play in the sewers. <laughs> <laughs> but I had, for that reason, I had a really um, unbothered childhood. I feel like I didn't have time to be self-conscious or I was mm. just so busy and so active. I think my childhood, um, always being outside and playing with my neighbors and playing with my brothers and just having fun, mm. I didn't have time to, I don't know, I just had a really, I have really positive memories of growing up. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. I have uh, two older brothers and one younger sister, and her name is Maddie. It's that. It's just that joy of you know growing up in a family that just loves to go and do together. Yeah. And I really, I really appreciate that. Yeah, and we're still that way. We see each other every week. So. Oh, so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just naturally, you run into each other, or do you have some sort of special set aside time, or what? No, we usually go to my parents every Sunday to have dinner together. Awesome. Um, we just prioritize seeing each other it feels long if we go for a week and granted we all still live in the area mm-hmm. so it's it's possible and we don't have our own families but awesome i love that yeah i hope my daughters say that someday. <laughs> yeah. well yeah i mean it's a scary thing like raising children is just like i want them to have like a the family experience you know that, yeah that, that we had I can see Chloe someday on a podcast saying, oh, we played in sewers all the time. My dad made us go. I did not make them go through the sewers like Maddie's parents did. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> go go in the, the sewers. <laughs> My I'm mom's going to be like, that is pretty right. <laughs> you guys would be gone for so long. <laughs> well, so that's what your mom sounds like. Now you got to do an impression of your dad. My dad actually doesn't talk. <laughs> My dad, like the most just... famous. Yeah, my mom is so chatty. Mm-hmm. My dad says very little. And there's a story that my parents always tell. We would go camping a lot. And um, anytime we were in the car, 
I would, everyone would be asleep, but I would just be talking like all the way in the back. <laughs> and there's this story that my dad tells. And he looked at me in the rear view mirror and he said, Maddie, you just got to stop talking. <laughs> and I said, I just can't, dad. <laughs> I just, yeah. So, oh, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. Now, may I ask, what would you say kind of permeated that that uh, those years in a Christian high school or a Christian college? How were you shaped? What were some big influences that made you who you are today in that window of time? Mm, yeah, I remember the first time someone had ever told me, someone my age had ever told me they were praying for me was in high school. Mm. Um, I just think that thoughtfulness of, oh, yeah, Maddie, I'll be praying for you completely stopped me in my tracks of just a more, there's more than just me. I'm, I think a lot of decisions you make when you're younger are what's best for me, thinking about my friends, my life, my decisions, and how I'm looking to others. And I think so many people in my experience of Christian education have opened the door for me, whether that's friendships or financially or, you know, a variety of different things, people saying, this is important, you're important, your relationship with Christ is important. I think priorities were a really big thing that I see. So last summer, yes. um, Maddie and myself, as well as some other teachers and um, some spouses, got an opportunity to go with RVL to Israel. Um, and I know that like my wife and I got a lot out of it, and one person I saw her talking to a lot was you. And it's just kind of fun to see like my spouse interacting with some of my peers at school, meeting people who I would talk about at home so she gets an idea of like who are these people. Yeah. Um, we took a lot of, away and just I'm just curious like what were some of the things that you like really took away from that trip that maybe you either brought into your classroom or just brought into like your home or That's a good question. Two things come to mind as a a teacher of a language and culture. Mm. I it shocked me and it shouldn't have but how much of the Bible is so connected to culture and almost, and so ex excitedly so, but at the same time, like, how am I going to, how can I possibly read the Bible and mm. not know such rich culture? It has so, it goes hand in hand, like stories and culture. And um, that's something I really think about with, in my own classroom as a Spanish teacher, that um, the way that people interact with one another, um, and the stories that we tell are based off of our lenses and the way that we see the world. And I really was excited by the Bible again. Um, I feel like I was reading it for the first time, and it just gave me this push to say, like, I really need to know more, and how do I do that? And I don't know if I've ever had that um, invigorating experience reading the Bible before, because it is kind of daunting. And another big thing I took away from that, too, is something I talked about in staff devotions of just this visual representation of of generosity, talking about how you are to leave the corners of your field. You know, when you plow your field and you take in your crops, leave the corners um, for others, for foreigners or for strangers to take from because some people are less fortunate in other seasons. I love that. So you're referencing, is this from Leviticus, I think, or yes, somewhere yeah. in Torah where... The command is to leave the corners of your field to not harvest that portion yeah. of you know whatever you leave been them growing. for others. We are encouraged to keep our corners wide, whether mm. that's with you know just love or just be generous in what you have to give. And it's not always 
money. It's with your kindness, with your attention, with Mm. your ability to listen. Um, Just this idea that we have so much to give each other and just to have that other person mindset more often than I put on all this work. Now I get to reap the benefits. You know, you talk about, you know, I experienced something similar, I feel like, with Israel and and even just learning from Ray Vanderlaan, the sense that in one sense, I feel as though the Bible becomes less accessible, or at least that's my initial fear is like, wait a minute, how can I read the Bible? Like with all Mm -hmm. these layers of culture and language that I I really am not an expert in. Um, But then in another sense... There's a, for me, there was an excitement that went along with it. Like, man, I'll never stop exploring this book yes. and this world and this group of people. And like, it's, there's such a fascination when I realized the book that I think I know really well, I don't actually know it as yeah. well as I thought. And mm-hmm. there's, I loved the idea that, that God uses our own cultural context too. Like he's not asking us to learn, like you need to relearn Jewish culture or what have you. Like he is here using our customs mm. and we need to open our eyes to it, that he, the living God is here and working through us. Amen. I love that. Isn't that so cool how God accommodates culture? I, I just, I mean, I think about when I communicate with people, like you, you, even my own children, there's always an accommodation involved because I value them. Like I want them to get what we're talking about. And so it's even just with my daughters, I'll often get down on my knees when I talk to them and look them in the eyes. And yeah. I love thinking about that's God. When God communicates with us, he's always sensitive about not just the what, but the how things are coming across. That's just kind of beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Maddie, what is the hardest thing about being a first year, like new teacher? I think the hardest thing for me, I think the hardest thing and being young in any profession is actually... She's calling us old, Sam, right now. <laughs> no, that's I what's think, happening. I'm going to rephrase that. I think the problem in being a really relational person and putting... I think it's tough to put on different hats as mm. a sibling, and then you put on a hat as maybe like a young life leader, which looks different than a teacher. I think there's all aspects of love and care, but the goals are different sometimes too, and the mode is different. And so I think for me, kind of learning who I am as a as a person and a teacher, and honestly, the thing that terrified me about becoming a teacher was when one of my professors said, um, in choosing the teaching profession, you become a role model whether you like it or not. <laughs> and it really stuck with me that, you know, as a teacher, you are Put on, you have an important job to do, and your job doesn't stop when you the bell rings. You know, it's like I have this calling in life to be a follower of Jesus Christ in school and at family fair when I see my students. Just your awareness of that as a significant thing, a daunting thing, probably means you're attentive and a really and really good at that. Balancing <laughs> <laughs> to continue. You. What's your favorite Spanish word? Oh, Ooh. someone asked me this recently. Gato? I, I like, no, no, but along a similar animal line. I really love the word mariposa. It means butterfly. Butterfly, yeah. Trabajabamos. 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 What is that? <laughs> we worked. Yeah. We worked. That's, that's just such a fun thing to say. Mm-hmm. Trabajabamos. I'm going to say that my wife says, hey, how was your day? I'm going to say, trabajabamos. <laughs> the thing is, I never, 
with Spanish, I never thought I'm going to be a Spanish teacher. I went to Peru originally because I was like, this will be a great way to get out of Grand Rapids. <laughs> and because I'm the from world. there. And so I feel like Spanish kind of happened to me that my host parents said, we didn't think that we'd ever be able to communicate with you because at the hmm. start I was... You didn't have much Spanish I didn't going have in. amazing Spanish. Oh, and really? I think, so this yeah. is kind of a new passion, like college. So this is just for me. In high school, I loved Spanish. I went through all four years, but it wasn't really until I just went and like jumped in that it became something I even thought of as a possibility. And so I consider myself still a learner. I would say that anyone, like any teacher, is still always learning about their craft, but... I did have to work at it. I didn't do immersion. I didn't take AP. That wasn't a thing. And so I think sometimes that is some, a way that the devil can kind of sneak in. Like, I think another hard thing about first year teaching is this imposter syndrome. Like, hmm. how did I get here? And, you know, they're going to figure me out. Am I even qualified? Yeah, I don't belong. And I don't belong. And I think that Spanish is something that I love a lot and I'm qualified and capable um, but always still learning, and it's it was a choice. Do you feel like that makes you more approachable for the student who struggles in language? I just think yeah. about you know having a teacher who said, I really had to work at this. Uh, I would see that as a gift for a student who says, this doesn't come naturally to me. Yeah, I definitely think so, and I think there's sometimes a stigma of being in certain classes, but I say to my students, like, I was a freshman in Spanish one. I think a lot of our freshmen or a handful jump into Spanish too right away, but I was not on the advanced track. I was an average student and hard work and I think passion and desire and curiosity can bring you really far. You just have to choose. You have to want it and look for opportunities to make it happen, I think. And I was asked a lot of good questions and I just said yes, you know. Reminds me of an Albert Einstein quote. I have no special talent. I am only passionately curious. You're <laughs> yeah. right that those like me. <laughs> those those, uh, those genuine curiosity can take you really quite far because it will lead you into all kinds of transformational experiences. Yes, I went to New Mexico. I went to the Southwest. Had never been before. What school you were you at? Rehoboth. Oh yes, yes, very cool. Yeah, so I was at Rehoboth. I was at the high school. Um, and that was my first high school experience ever. And I was living in this little community off Route 66. It was so amazing, but also so different than anything I've ever had um, experienced before. And again, a time in my life where I took the opportunity to go because I was interested. Um, and it was a completely different culture than I'm than I'd ever mm. experienced as well. It was right next to a Navajo reservation um, and down the street from a Zuni reservation, and so just a culture that was so rich in tradition, um, different than Spanish as well. So I think it again, you get so comfortable after four years in college. You think you understand the ropes, and then to be thrown into a community that I. Um, needed to learn about in a culture that I wasn't um, as aware of. Um, it was just a really good resetting experience for me of saying there's always people and things that you need to learn about. And 
everyone I think is blessed with different riches and Mm -hmm. that was a very rich community that I am really glad that I got the chance to experience and Mm -hmm. I fell in love with Spanish there again Mm -hmm. so enough to want to um, continue teaching in high school. Go back to eighth grade. Okay. Mr. Sportell is your (laughs) substitute weather teacher. What advice, what have you learned since middle school, we'll say, or high school? It doesn't have to be, I suppose, Mr. Sportell's class, but (laughs) what have you learned that you might, what advice might you give? This is typically Cam's question. What advice might you give to your high school self? I read, (laughs) I read recently, which is funny because I'm not that musical. Um, but I read something that was really simple and it said, think symphony, not solo. And mm. I think that applies to everything in high school and in college and even now and as a teacher. That needs to be a quote on somebody's wall. I love that. Should be hers. <laughs> you is, it, is it in your room yet? It's not in my room. It better be in your room. Now. I'll, I'll put it up there. I've never heard that, Maddie. Think symphony, not solo, because yeah. it does. It reframes our actions, especially as educators. It, reframe, it reframes what we're doing. Um, I mean, sure, you've all had that where you think you're saying something or teaching something so valuable and so interesting, yeah. and then you realize no, nobody, nobody's here. <laughs> you know, nobody's <laughs> yeah. tuned in. And how can we, yeah, put the put the ball in students' court for this kind of communal coming to life rather than just I've got some important things to say. Right. Yeah. No one's gonna hear you if you think you're mm-hmm. the most important person in the room. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. I love that. Maddie Reed, thank you so much. Can I just say this, Maddie, the type of person you are. So you came in after school, I'm setting up the microphones, and you didn't say anything before you said, how can I help? That was just your first thing you said. You know, a little thing, but I think kind of characterizes you a little bit. Uh, Somebody whose bubbly personality is so fun to be around, but always asking those kinds of symphony type questions. How can I help? How can I contribute to something bigger? That's pretty cool, Maddie, and I'm grateful to know you. I appreciate it. This and has I, been fun. And it's so fun to be here with your eighth grade weather teacher. <laughs> Betcha. Oh, all right, folks. Go Maroons. Go Maroons. Go Maroons. Go Maroons. You can't say it twice. You're right. Go Maroons. Go Maroons. Go Maroons. Go Maroons.